Hi, I'm Oneida County Sheriff Rob Mitchell, and you're listening to Daz Full Monty, the Good News Podcast. Hello, everybody, and good day to each and every one of you. This is the Good Doctor speaking. You're listening to Das Fulmonti, the Good News Podcast, Episode 1, Season 1. Today we are joined by a very special guest and also, by default, one of the closest friends I have and I'm very, very thankful for. And really want to take the time to thank him for making time out of his busy schedule to have a conversation not just for myself, but for the listening audience. So at this time, I'd like to introduce each and every one of you to the current and the Sheriff of Oneida County, Robert M. Mayshall. Good afternoon. How are you? We are very good. Thank, thank you, Doctor, for, uh, for giving me this opportunity. Um, this is only the second podcast I've ever done with anybody. Um, and uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm an old-fashioned person, and we'll, you'll probably learn that through some of the questions. So um, when, the, you know, when the word podcast came up, I, I had no clue what a podcast was, even though I should know. But I'm uh, just an old-fashioned guy, but uh, honored to be here, certainly honored to be the sheriff, and most importantly, uh, honored to be your friend. I appreciate that very much. And if you notice, uh, it's a, there's a long-running joke between the sheriff and I. You know, Joe Lisi has not been invited yet, but that's a story that's for right. another day. <laughs> and speaking of which, I know we're going to have to, at some point, talk about our friend downtown in Utica. Uh, that would be the mayor, um, who may or may not be a guest. It depends on how his behavior is at the Ouch. next lunch. <laughs> so first of all, uh, you know, a lot of questions. And one of the things that I put out on Facebook that uh, I wanted to spend some time talking about the sheriff and not just the sheriff, but Rob Mayshall. And so a lot of people don't get the opportunity to do what I've been very fortunate to do over several years. And that is to get to know you, not your not your policies, not how you run the department, but to get to know you as a person. So one of the things I'd like to start out with is a perspective outside of yourself. And if we were to ask your wife to describe Rob Mayshall, any idea how she would? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I know so. Uh, Tammy and I, we, uh, we've been together a long time. But um, I, I think if you asked her to describe me, um, certainly, first and foremost, the most important thing to, to, to Rob Mayshall is his family. Um, very strong family values. Um, we live a uh, very um, simple life, um, but that's the way we like it. Um, loyalty and, and honesty, uh, just some of those basic qualities that, that you know, my parents taught, uh, taught me. Um, kind of a, kind of, we have a kind of a unique family story, both of us. Uh, my wife and I come from opposite ends of the world um, and uh, kind of met in a unique circumstance, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, um, I, I think the most important thing is she would tell you that I'm a good good man. Um, she actually posted the other day, I, I got done working at home, and uh, I, I was, we were sitting down to eat dinner, and she said, are you going to wash your hands? And I said, I did. And she <laughs> said, really? And I said, and she knows, but uh, um, yeah, I'm a hardworking guy, and uh, I just, I'm no one special. You know, I want to make that very clear because sometimes, you know, when people get into public positions, um, you know, uh, but but I, I've never forgotten where I came from. I never will. Um, and and I'm nobody special. Just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody special, but I have a special job and I'm honored to have that. And, and, and uh, like I said, just some of those important qualities, I think, that I expect of, you know, my children. And that's honesty and loyalty and, and trustworthiness. Where were you born? I was born in uh, New Hartford. 
uh, St. Luke's Hospital. Didn't know that. Yep. My mom is from uh, Holland Patton. My dad is from East Utica. Uh, my dad passed away about nine years ago. Uh, my dad, uh, like I said, grew up in East Utica, uh, served in the U.S. Marine Corps during World War II. Um, when he got out of the war, he uh, took a job uh, with General Electric. It was a company that was just coming into Utica at the time. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, lived on a farm. She was one of 11 children, lived on a dairy farm in Holland Patton. Um, very uh, hardworking family, um, didn't have much. Uh, they were very, you know, they were poor. And and uh, um, from there, when she turned 18, the first goal of hers was to get off that farm. So <laughs> she uh, uh, went to Utica and happened to be in a dance hall. I forget where it was. I, if I, it's the name of the place is slipping me, slipping my mind because it's obviously not there anymore. But that's actually where she met my dad in a dance hall in Utica. So this girl from Holland Patton meets this guy from from Utica who had just gotten out of the war and just settled in in uh, in his new job. And eventually they uh, decided to pick New York Mills as their home. So that's how we ended up in New York Mills. I have two older sisters. Um, I was actually a surprise or a mistake. I'm not sure which, <laughs> but. Uh, I have two older sisters, and they are ten and twelve years older than I am, and I, I was a late arrival to the family. So, wow, awesome! You talk about very humbly, I might add, because you really exude what humbleness means, and I've been able to be privy to that for such a long time. Where do those core values come from? It's easy to say your parents, but what does that mean to a guy like you? Well, um, you know, when when uh, well, again, like I said, my dad and I, uh, I was very close to my father, um, although he worked long hours. At General, he was a draftsman for General Electric. So I, I uh, only saw my dad at the end of uh, end of each day. Never saw him in the morning, really, because he, he would be off to work early. Weekends were always very special. So I, I certainly cherished my time with my dad growing up. Um, and my mom, she uh, was focused on raising her family. A very hard worker. She came, like I said, she came from a family where they had to work hard to survive. Um, so again, she instilled those values. Um, she also had an awesome personality. My mom is, is still with us, um, but she had uh, an awesome personality with uh, other people. So luckily, I inherited that from her or learned that from her. Um, you know, I love being around people. I can communicate with anybody from any walk of life. And uh, um, I, I think that's one of the values that that's helped me be successful today. Um, but I, like I said, uh, growing up, we had very few rules, but they were rules that you never, ever, ever even thought of breaking. Um, you know, my my uh, my dad always told me uh, no tattoos, no earrings. Um, I want to know where you are all the time. Don't ever talk back to your mother. And uh, that's pretty much how we lived, you know, and it was dinner time. Unless you had like a real serious pre-approved reason why you were at the dinner table at five o'clock um, when he got home from work. And uh, weekends, we like I said, we, we did as much as we could, you know, in, in their means. Um, I know once a year when General Electric used to have a, a week shutdown or a two week shutdown, I believe he uh, would rent a camp at Anoida Lake. <laughs> And we would spend every day fishing. Um, he was a huge fisherman. That's where I learned fishing from. Uh, my sisters love to fish. And uh, any chance on the weekends, that's pretty much what we would do. We would go fishing to any body of water anywhere. Um, and again, like I said, we uh, 
our, our house was full of love and it was full of family structure. Um, we didn't have a lot of money, but um, we, we learned that, you know, we've got to we've got to earn our keep. And, and uh, um, obviously times have changed a little bit, but I think I've, I've tried to instill those same values in, in my children, too. How does that work out with kids today? Obviously, you have uh, a daughter who's a professional, incredible person, a son who was in college and, of course, another child in college, correct? Mm -hmm. But they're navigating a different landscape than you did or I did. Uh, and, and I'm wondering, what advice do you give, not just your children, but I'm sure you have young police officers who occasionally come in and offer and ask for advice, but considering the boundaries that we had growing up, you don't talk bad to your mother. Right. You had accountability. Your word and a handshake meant everything. What kind of information did you give to your kids to hopefully instill some of those values? Well, again, I, I, I um, it's hard to make promises to people, especially in my job, you know, when, when, when I meet with employees. And it's the same thing with my children. I, I can't promise them what's going to happen in the future. You know, you want to you want to tell them everything's going to be fine. But we don't know that. But the one thing that I can I can promise people and I don't care who it is, that if you work hard and you stay out of trouble, um, good, I, I promise you good things will happen. I tell that to new people I hire here because there's a lot of people that work here. We have 500, 540 employees. And I tell them, you know, maybe I, I can't promise you the promotion that you want or the division or unit that you want to be in. But I can promise you if you come to work and you do your job and you don't get involved in drama that any place that employs 500 people has, good things will happen to you. My daughter, Amanda, is a police officer in the city of Utica. I tell her the same thing. Just work hard. Um, don't get involved in any drama. Good things will happen to you. You know, my, my son, Robbie, and, and my daughter, my other daughter, Sydney, same thing. I mean, they're still finding their ways. Um, Robbie wants to make his way into law enforcement, but a different, different twist. Um, Amanda is, uh, Amanda can adapt very well to things. Um, Amanda and her Beth, or and her wife, Beth, uh, they, they were just married recently. Um, Amanda's very successful with like, like I am with dealing with different types of people. She can walk her way into any situation and adapt. My son, on the other hand, not as easy. Um, and, and everybody's different. But, um, you know, he, uh, I, I don't know as though he would make a successful city police officer. He wants to be a environmental conservation police officer, uh, basically a, a police officer out in, the, in you know, in the, in the outdoors, in the forest, in the wilderness. He will do very well at that. Um, he, he, um, like I said, he, he wouldn't be able to adapt in a city climate like his sister would. Um, he's just, uh, he's got a lot of, he's very old fashioned. He's got a lot of my dad's traits in him. Um, and, and, um, where I've, I can adapt to someone and he can't as easy, you know, and my youngest Sydney, she wants absolutely nothing to do with police work, <laughs> but she can adapt very well to different types of people where, where Robbie struggles with a little bit more. Cause I think he's just, he's old fashioned, you know, he's very respectable. He looks people in the eye. He gives you a firm handshake. Um, and, and if, and, and, uh, you know, it's just, everybody's a little different, you know, so it's, it's tough, but I tell these, I tell all of them, you know, to work hard and to stay out of trouble and, you know, set your goals. Did I ever think I'd be the sheriff of Oneida County? Absolutely not. Not in my wildest dreams. 
but it's so well, it is something I, I, I wished for and, and I achieved that. You know, I used my best friend growing up in high school, Michael Markowitz. Michael and I, um, we grew up in the same community, New York Mills. Um, and, and he set his goal. He said, I want to protect the president. You know, we used to laugh about it, protect the president. I mean, that's not even anything that's an imaginable, uh, you know, dream, but lo and behold, he works hard. He stays out of trouble. He gets a job with the U S secret service. Wow. He ends up, he just retired after 26 years of service with uh, the U S secret service. He's been with in his time and his 26 years with them. He's protected every living president, um, vice president. I mean, he he was assigned to Senator Clinton when she was the US, a New York State senator, uh, or I'm sorry, U.S. senator in New York. Um, he he, you know. So those are things that you would never think a, a kid from New York Mills would achieve. Just like I never thought I would achieve, you know, what, what I've done. And and again, it's all about working hard and staying out of trouble. What is it like to start your day as Sheriff Robert Mitchell? Um. You know, it's it's when you're in the public's view all the time. It it you, you definitely have to be aware that people are watching, um, and they always watched elected officials and, and leaders in the community. But with the with technology today, um, people unfortunately are looking for any of our elected officials to make a mistake. None of us are perfect. We, I make mistakes every single day, but you know, someone, some, some people would love to be able to capture that, you know, whether it's on a video or a photo of, or, or whatever. So, I mean, you're always on edge that, you know, so, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I joke around with people. I, I just, this past weekend, we did a toast at a, uh, at a fundraiser at a local uh, establishment. And I went up to do the toast and I went up with, water in my beer glass, you know, and, and, uh, because I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't do it. Do I have a beer? Absolutely. I have a beer now and then, but I don't, when I'm representing anything close to my official capacity. So, you know, I was, I think I was the only one up on stage that had a beer glass that was full of water, but it's just, you know, so those things, but, um, uh, I think the neat thing, whether I was a, you know, brand new police officer 30 years ago or the sheriff today, um, the one thing that has always attracted me to this career, and it's true to, 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 to today, is every single day is different. Hmm. There's never been a day like the day before. There's not a single day that goes by where I, I don't go to work knowing that I'm going to make a positive difference in someone's life every single day. Um, maybe it's an employee having a difficult time and we help them through it. Maybe it's a, a victim of a crime, you know, looking for justice. Maybe it's... Um, you know, making a change in the budget, we're able to save some tax dollars for the for the people. Um, you know, maybe it's like today. I, I, this morning, I ran a, uh, a I helped with a bunch of the police recruits. We ran in the Special Olympics torch run, and to see the smiles on these Special Olympians, um, that all these police officers are running with them. You know, I, I, I was suffering, and I'll probably really pay for it tomorrow when I wake up. But my point is there's so many different things happening in this, in, in this police career every single day. And there's nothing more rewarding as corny as it sounds when you have someone with a smile on their face, you know, and, and just little, little gestures like that, you know, and, and I mean, those medals that these special Olympians were wearing today, those mean the world to them, you know, and then to have police officers come and run with them as the torch makes its way across New York state. Um, those are neat things. And again, like I said, it's just, uh, it's every day is different. Um, we have unions, we have grievances, we have budget issues, we have politics, trying to keep judges happy that we protect uh, complaints, personnel matters. I mean, every day, it's just, it's a whirlwind. And, and I, I can assure you 
that the chair in my office, as comfortable as it looks, there's days when it's not. But again, it's it's the the the, the good days far outweigh the bad days. So outside of your day in law enforcement, you certainly have another part of your day with a whole different part of uh, animals that are also in need. Talk about how you start your day there. Sure. What, time, what time is that, by the way? Um, summertime, I get to sleep a little bit later, but summertime, I'm usually outside feeding my animals about 6 a.m. Wintertime, it's about 4.30 because the cows are inside for the winter. Um, but I, uh, my wife and I also run a farm. We raise uh, beef cattle. Um, we, I mean, it's a, it's just, you know, when you say it to people who aren't familiar with farming and you tell them we have, uh, we've had as many as 60 cows at one time, but I think as of today, we have about 48, but, um, when you tell someone you have 50 or 60 cows, they think that's a huge number in the farming <laughs> world. That's not, that's right. a small farm, but, um, still we have, uh, we have a working, uh, beef cow farm. We raise beef cows for, uh, obviously for beef, um, and uh, it's, it's a passion. It goes back to um, my mom, who grew up on a dairy farm um, in Holland Patton, and all her brothers ended up being farmers. Um, and one of them uh, was the home farm where she grew up on that my grandfather uh, passed on to my one uncle. And uh, we would go there visit all the time as a young child, as a toddler. And, and immediately when I got a little bit older, I was fascinated by the animals, fascinated by the farm equipment. And um, quickly said, that's what I want to do. I want to be a farmer. I want to be a farmer. So um, when I turned about 12 or 13, I started working for that uncle every weekend. Um, and then summertimes, I'd spend almost my entire summer working for him for about six years. You name it. Doing everything on, the, on a working dairy farm that from A to Z. Um, and I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a farmer. Made up my mind. And my uncle's like, no, you don't. You don't want to do this. This is a, this. You, it's a it's it's a hard, lot of hard work. Yes, and it's and it's it, it's like fun for you now. He said, but what you don't see behind the scenes is the struggles that we're enduring and what little money, little to no money we're making. Um, and he gave me good advice. He was like a second dad to me growing up, but um, he he certainly is one of those people who was uh, very influential in in my work ethic. Um, the guy to this day still works like anyone I've ever met in my life. But um, uh, so growing up, I wanted to be that farmer. And luckily, I, I took his advice and I didn't do that. Um, and um, I know we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But at the same time that I'm working on this farm um, as, a, as a teenager, young teenager, there's this girl that I hadn't known yet for at least 10 years or more than that, 20 years. Um, but my wife, Tammy, uh, when she was a little girl, she grew up in Utica. Um, uh, her family uh, broke up a few times, but um, at one point in time, she was taken out of her home and placed into a foster home. Mm. And when she shares this story with people, um, they automatically say, oh, how, how sad, you know. And she's like, no, 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 let me finish. Um, the years that she spent in her foster home were some of the best years of her childhood. And she was placed in a foster home um, at the Humphreys Dairy Farm in New Hartford on Tibbetts Road. Um, they no longer, the farm is still there. They no longer milk cows. They're all crop farmers now, but, um, her foster parents, Wendy and Brimer Humphreys, they're still considered her parents to this day, but it's kind of ironic. She's about my age. Of course, we're living in two different worlds here at the time. Um, she's 15 miles away from where I am and she's living on this foster home on a dairy farm, learning about cows, learning about farming, falling in love with the outdoors. I'm in Holland Patton working for my uncle. Same thing is happening here. So, Eventually, when we meet in our 20s 
and we start dating and sharing childhood stories, we quickly learn we had this farm thing in common. And we said, wow, this would be awesome. Someday if we ever have kids and then we maybe can live on a farm. So we never let that idea out of our head. And all through our relationship, dating and eventually getting married, we would always visit the Humphreys. We'd always be at my uncle's farm. And so so we always kept, you know, in, in, in direct contact with our farming connection. So anyways, I know I drifted way off of the question. I forgot where I was even going, but that's kind of where, um, where that, that, connection there came to but um anyways um what kind of beef what kind of what we have um we have herefords it's a it's a breed of a of a uh, a beef cow uh, a lot of people refer to them as white face their entire face is white okay and the rest of their body is red um we we when we were trying to figure out what kind of cows we want to raise um i was looking for something because if i had my dream i would be a dairy farmer but because of my job my job comes first you got to be held down to milking cows twice a day. There's no way. My job is so unpredictable. So I said, we're going to have to do the next best thing, and that's beef cows. We, then we wanted to choose a breed that's uh, docile because beef cows have a reputation. They can be pretty aggressive. Hmm, didn't know and, that. Yeah. It, probably your best growing beef cow is the black Angus, but fences mean nothing to black Angus cows. The, old, the statement, the grass is greener on the other side. I mean, if they want the grass on the other side, they're going to walk right through that fence. Um, and plus, um, Angus can be a little aggressive around people. So we chose the most docile breed and that's, uh, the Hereford. So most of our cows are Herefords, nearly all of them, but we quickly found that they don't grow as good as the black Angus cows. Mm. They don't put on weight as quick. So then we, um, we met halfway and we, we, uh, integrated a couple of red Angus into our herd. It's a little bit less docile, but still in the Angus family. So we have a few red Angus. And then recently, a couple of years ago, we bought our first ever uh, Wagyu cow. It's a high-end Japanese cow, Japanese beef cow. Do you spell that? I believe it's W-A-Y-G-U. It works for me. Yep. And that'll, it, it's, you'll, you'll quickly see it's a, uh, it's a beef cow that produces um, uh, like a high level of marbling in the, in the beef. Um, and, it, and it's a Japanese breed of cow. Um, and uh, so we have one of those. And she had a young one a year ago. She had a baby a year ago. Um, we artificially breed her because we want to keep the, the Wagyu tradition going there. And um, so she had a baby a year ago, and now she's pregnant again for her second one. But um, so anyways, we have the cows that I have to take care of every morning. Again, summertime is quite a bit easier. Uh, we also have four horses. My wife loved horses as a little girl. So we have uh, three miniatures that are strictly pets. And then we have a Suffolk Punch draft horse. He's about 1,700 pounds. He's a big boy. How many hands um, high? Uh, about 16 and a half. Okay. It's a smaller uh, draft horse, but still he's a big boy. And Compared can, to Belgians, which are how big. Right. How oh, hands. they could be 18 hands. They yeah. could, a big okay. horse. Um, he uh, he was purchased by us to uh, with the intent of me riding him. I haven't gotten there yet. He is riding. He's been ridden a lot in his life. He's pulled wagons. He's actually got he's got an awesome personality. I just haven't had the chance to, to learn how to ride him yet. Uh, we also have two miniature donkeys. They are uh, <laughs> brother and sister, Omer and Olive. Um, and then we have some chickens. And we also have uh, eight dogs. Um, but uh, my wife loves dogs. She actually breeds golden retrievers. So most of our dogs are golden retrievers. We do have a, a border collie mixed in there. And we have a Yorkie and a Pomeranian. So we go from one end of the spectrum to the other. So um, we have to get all those guys and girls settled for the day before I can come to work. So my day starts pretty early. They talk about diversity at a whole, whole diff different level. 
I remember uh, talking about beef. Uh, there's a farm down near the Chadwick's area where they raise Scottish Longhairs. Yes. And I'm just amazed, just like you just said. You don't hear about these other breeds of cows, and you certainly don't hear stories about their temperament. You hear those with uh, like bulls and those kind of yes. things. And yep. it's a flashback of a story. I went to see a guy many years ago. He lived in Oxford. And I might have shared this story with you. And we were headed toward the field, and he started walking out of the barn with his big pipe. And I said, what are you carrying this pipe for? He said, well, in case the bull's in a bad mood. I said, well, I'm not going anywhere where the bull was in a bad mood anyway. But on each side of the pasture, there was a sign. And the sign says, if you can make it across the pasture in 15 seconds, don't do it because the bull can do it in 10. <laughs> it's just one of those stories where I'm just amazed how different breeds have different uh, temperaments. So let's talk a little bit about the job. And you talked a little bit about your, your core values, but at some point of, of your life, enforcing the law is one interest. Another interest is modeling what it means to enforce the law. Where do those traits come from? How are they modeled for you? The, the way, you know, because again, we've, we've been focusing a lot on this farming thing for me growing up, but at some point in time, you know, towards as I was probably 16 or so, I, I realized that farming wasn't going to be an option for me just because there was not a farm in my immediate family. And there's no way you could start up a farm. And it just the, the overhead it was just incredible. So I said, you know what, I got to come up with something else to do. So um, uh, preparing to graduate from high school, ready to go to, to college, not sure what I wanted to do. Um, uh, signed up at MVCC, ready to roll. Um, then I get an offer to manage a plumbing store. <laughs> um, it was a, incredible for that time period. It was an incredible hourly rate. So I said, you know what? Maybe I want to run a plumbing store. Let's try that. So I, I uh, began to work at a plumbing store, knew nothing about plumbing. And uh, my boss at the time, he, he passed away many years ago. But my boss at the time, his name was Jim Williams. And uh, he, he owned the store and I ran it for him during the day. And after a few weeks of him knowing I knew nothing about plumbing, he brings me in the office someday and, or one day and he says, you know, kid, he says, uh, you'd make a good politician. He says, you're, you're talking to these people like you've been around plumbing your entire life and you have no clue what you're even talking about. But he says you're making sense and you're selling a lot of products here. So I, I kind of always kept that in the back of my mind. But and I knew that wasn't for me either plumbing store thing. But what did happen at that plumbing store, and this was very important in my life too, um, there was a coffee maker on the counter. And it was in the hometown I grew up in, New York Mills. And every morning, um, the community people would stop by for their free cup of coffee and they would just chat. And um, a police officer, police chief at the time, came in and we just started talking. And I'm looking, I'm studying him, I'm looking at the uniform, I'm looking at the gun. And uh, I certainly wasn't old enough to be a police officer. I was just over 18 at the time. And um, I said, wow. I said, what's it like to be, a, you know, being a police officer? And he shared all kinds of stories. And it definitely caught my attention. And I'm like, well, how old do you have to be? And he said, we got to be at least 20. And I said, well, that's two years away. And he said, you know what? Why don't you join the fire department? You know, it'll give <laughs> you an idea of pu what public service is about. Um and uh, I had known, again, growing up in the community, I knew a lot of people in the fire department. 
um, but never really thought about it. And I said, you know what, maybe I'll do that. It'll keep, you know, it'll, it'll use up some of my free time, maybe give me an opportunity to give back to the community a little bit. So I joined the fire department uh, shortly after I was 18 years old, joined the New York Mills Volunteer Fire Department. And as of today, I'm still considered an active lifetime member because um, I've never ceased my membership there. Certainly, I don't live there anymore, so I can't answer the calls. But after 25 years of service, you become a lifetime member. Um, but I joined the fire department and met a lot of new people. Um, got to really see um, that one person can definitely make a difference in the community. Uh, saw these these people, uh, whether it was the men in the fire department or the ladies in the auxiliary at the time. They didn't have you know girls in the fire department. Obviously, they do now, but saw them um, really putting their their lives on hold for other people in a time of need. And um, again, as corny as that sounds, that really caught my attention. Um, and had a great time in the fire department. Made some great friends. Got to know a lot of people in the fire service over the years. But what I also did was start to build a relationship with the police department in New York Mills because the buildings were connected. Got to know some police officers. They let me do a couple of ride-alongs um, at night. And I, that's when I made the decision that, you know what? I wanna be a police officer. And um, signed up for the next exam when I was old enough to. At that time, uh, there was a change in personnel at the department. And shortly after my 20th birthday, I was hired uh, uh, by the New York Mills Police Department, and that's where it all began. Um, and here I am almost 34 years later, uh, still putting a uniform on every single day. And, and again, that was probably one of the best decisions of my life that I ever made as far as my career goes is, is joining the police department. You really made it clear what you thought about your father mm -hmm. and where you held him. What kept you from the Marine Corps? Him. He wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I thought about it and he said, absolutely not. I'm not going to let you do that. And I, it was kind of odd because he was so proud of his service to the country. He was so proud of, I mean, every day till the, till my dad couldn't walk anymore. Uh, he put a flag in front of his house every day and then took it down at night. I remember that, you know, our house we grew up on, every day, my dad, before he'd leave for work, he'd walk the flag out and he'd put it up. And because, uh, of course, we didn't have the flag lit. I mean, I today you go by my house and, it, you know, it, at the farm right out front. I cheated, though. We have a light on our phone. So <laughs> on our utility pole. So I don't have to uh, take it down every night. But I'm um, very proud. He very rarely spoke about I, you could ask my sisters, but neither of them. He never shared any of his World War Two stories ever with us until he was probably in his probably final three or four years of his life when he started sharing stories that we had never, ever heard before. Anything stand out? No, just a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things and a lot of things he saw that he didn't like. And, and uh, but always, uh, you know, as far as, you know, he, he didn't like the conflicts and, but, but he was there to serve. I mean, he loved it. He loved the Marines, Marine through and through and through. Um, but he never joined a a, uh, a VFW or uh, or American Legion or anything like Interesting. that. Interesting. Um, never missed a parade though. Every Memorial Day, uh, Veterans Day, but he was never in it. He was always on the sidelines, you know. And and but it seems like the last few years of his life that all shifted, where he, um, you know, started wearing a hat all the time that identified him as a veteran of of, uh, of World War II, and started sharing all these stories. Um, but no, he, he said, I don't want you to join the military. He says, you need to find a good career. And, and so when I became a police officer, 
he was so happy because he saw, you know, health insurance and he saw state retirement and he saw someday when you have a family, you said, you gotta, you've got to think about that. You know, you've got to have a plan for your family as you move forward. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's odd, but he didn't want me to be part of the military. Describe your father and your mother in one word each. My dad, um, Well, it's a couple words, but loyal to his family. Okay. Uh, my dad was not a people person. My mom, on the other hand, total opposite. She was all about friendship. Um, you, my mom could go into, and I, I know I'm exaggerating, but she could go into a full stadium of, at a baseball game, and I guarantee you by the fifth inning, she's going to know everybody in that stadium. But she was just, uh, you know, she was one of those people – you know, and I wish you knew her when she before because she has she's in a nursing home now. And and but when she was was uh, her her you know the the mom that we always knew. Um, you if you came in with it if you're within six feet of her you're getting a hug and a kiss. It doesn't matter you know who you are where you're from anything. Where my dad if you step into his personal space he'd be a little bit you know like so it's it's funny but uh, um, now they uh, they made a good team they they did total opposites in many ways but they made a good team. What's the best compliment you've ever received? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, every, you know, there's there's many days, you know, strangers come up to me and, you know, and people when they when they search you out and they say thank you for your service, I mean, that, that means a lot. I mean, I'm not on the front lines anymore, obviously. Um, the, the men and women that work for me are, but I think people appreciate that, you know, I, I you know, granted it's my job and I get paid for it, but it, it's, it, it, and, and I'm certainly not bragging, but it takes a special person to, to enter a career in, of, in law enforcement. Um, and it, and it really does. So, I mean, just, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't need compliments, but it's nice when someone says thank you, you know, and, and, but there's been many crime victims, um, uh, that that you know have have sent notes and letters countless. I have drawers full from them over the years. Um, there's one individual, and I don't want to mention his name just in case he's listening to this at some point in time. But uh, I met a guy. Um, he was having a really bad time, and it was on a traffic stop. He was in a bad time in his life, and I was uh, I was young and much stronger than I am today. And Back then, he thought he was stronger than I was, and he quickly learned that he wasn't. <laughs> and uh, I, I arrested him that night, and um, it was it was it was a pretty intense thing. But uh, to this day, whenever he sees me, um, he's just um, you know he cannot thank me enough for um, he was off the track, and my encounter with him put him back on the track, and and he was able to eventually have his own family. And I know he's a he's a grandfather now, but a, a really good guy. And uh, I just happened to. We met on, on uh, you know, he was having, he was going through some bad times and he encountered this young cop who luckily, you know, arrested him because if he didn't get arrested, he probably would have, he was on a path of destruction and, and you know, but those are things that, you know, you really, unless you're living it, you, you don't realize that, that, that what I did that night was no big deal, but it made a huge impact in this, this person's life. It's interesting to watch you navigate 
And what I mean by that is, especially for those people who are listening who are not from this area, because there's I've quite a few friends across the state who are eager to listen to this podcast. Um, we got to figure out what's wrong with them. But at any rate, uh, but for those people who don't know our sheriff here in Oneida County, when people often ask me how I describe you and how I describe your methodology, uh, I think the word that comes to mind is unique. And the uniqueness that you bring to life. We are fortunate to have you in leadership in Oneida County. And I say it a lot. I'm very blessed to be able to travel a lot and to brag about where I'm from because people don't understand when you do have terrific leadership, what it is like. You have somehow mastered, mastered the ability to talk to anybody, doesn't matter their views, doesn't matter their affiliation, doesn't matter their race, their gender, their socioeconomic status, you have mastered the ability to communicate and to get people to pause and to listen to what you have to say. And part of that is even despite your size, what are you, 6'5"? About 6'4 when I stand up straight. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but, but, you, but you are an imposing figure. And that usually does not align well with approachability. So you've been able to do these things. And I guess I just want to transition as we start winding down in a few minutes to talk about your leadership style. Where did you learn it? I I think it's pretty much self-taught. You know, I, I, uh, I honestly, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, my ability to communicate clearly came from my mom. Um, My, my work drive, um, clearly, like I said, my uncle Larry, um, huge impact on me with that, um, teaching me about what work was all about. Um, my wife, like I said, we came from opposite ends of the world. Uh, my wife had gone through some pretty rough things in her, her, uh, eight years growing up. Um, we actually met on the job. Um, no, I, I didn't arrest her, but, um, yeah. uh, she was a, a midnight clerk at a convenience store and I was a midnight police officer. And I heard there was a new girl working over at the midnight convenience store. And I went in and introduced myself and got my free cup of coffee. And, and here we are. Um, been married 28 years, 28 years. I often blow that question. Yep. So I'm pretty impressed. Yep. And, and um, but um, we've, like I said, we've been through a lot of struggles over the years, you know, raising our family and financial struggles and, finding a home and just, just all the things that every other person goes through. But, um, we found strength, I think in each other. Um, she's extremely, extremely protective of her family. Um, that is one person that I would not want to be on the opposite side of, um, you know, and it's tough for her because in the public life, it's easy for people to say negative things about me. And I get that that comes with the territory and right away she goes on the defense, but that's, that's in her. She's a protector. I mean, she's fierce protector of her family, fierce. Um, and, and, and that's huge. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I, I see where every person here, no matter what, where you come from, what lock walk of life, everybody's making an impact in our world today. Um, and, and I think that's critical. So I don't care what job a person does or like, you know, what color they are or what church they go to. Um, I, I, we need to find the good in people. I mean, our, 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 our world today lacks kindness. I mean, it, it really does. If there's one thing I could change, if there's one thing I could change right now is, is, is the ability to make people 
be more kind to one another. Um, you know, it, it just, it just blows my mind that there are, and I should know this by now being a cop for, for a long time. Uh, there are people out there that do horrible things to other people and, and they need to be punished for that. But then there's also people who make mistakes that we can't hold them accountable for, you know, that we can't lock them up in jail forever for. So there's that balance, you know, and, and one of the, one of the things that, one of the examples I use all the time when I, when I speak is this opiate epidemic that we're going through here and the overdoses, the heroin overdoses, um, all the members here at the sheriff's office where we carry Narcan, they're all certified in carrying Narcan. And I've had critics out in the community who stop me and say, what, why are you saving these people? You know, they're the ones who are foolish enough to put that needle in their arm or whatever. And it's, it's real simple for me. I mean, as long as I'm the sheriff, our job is to save lives. That's my job. That's my most important thing that I do is to protect people and save lives. So I don't know, I don't know why that person did that drug that day where they overdosed, but I do know one thing, they don't want to die. And I do know one other thing that's even more important is that person on the ground is someone's son or daughter or mother or father or brother or sister. And it's our obligation to help them. And like I said, as long as I'm here, we're going to do whatever we can to help anybody in any predicament. Um, and yeah, some people make big mistakes, and that's why we have a jail. Um, but then there's people who make little mistakes or have a bump in their life, and we also have an obligation to try to help them. You know, and and you know, it's easy to call this place a jail. I mean, its formal name is a correctional facility. Why? Because we try to correct people. So, um, you know, I'm all about helping people. Um, I'll do anything for anybody at any time. When, they're, when they need some help, but they also too have a responsibility. Once we get them up, they've got to try to work to, to, to better themselves. So, you know, it, it's not to bring politics into this at all, but I, I, I get endorsed by two opposite parties when I run because it is a job you have to get elected to, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I've been a Democrat since day one. My dad, my dad, here we are again, he made me register as a Democrat. Now, granted, the Democratic Party of his era is much different than it is today. Absolutely. Um, and I disagree with a lot of things in the Democratic Party. Don't get me wrong. But the one thing that I hang my hat on all the time is we want to help people in a time of need. Um, and I'm all about that. On the flip side, I also get endorsed by the Conservative Party, which is just as opposite as you can get because I'm 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 I'm. I'm a cop. I'm I'm a pro gun guy. I've carried a gun on my body unless I'm in in the in a shower or in a swimming pool, I've had a gun on my body somewhere since the age of 20 when I became a police officer. Um, but that also comes with responsibilities, you know, and I certainly I opposed bail reform and things like that. So that's where I get my conservative values from. So I, I kind of cover all, 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 you know, ends of the spectrum here. But at the end of the day, my job is to help this community and to keep people safe. And, and I'm just blessed to be able to do that. I know one of these days I would like to have a conversation about the gender bail reform, but it's going to be kind of difficult, but there's going to be some way to pull this off because this is the good news podcast. So I think we would have to come up with a bunch of solutions and then make the discussion. Well, it's easy to bring up problems. And, and yes. that's, that, that's where I get frustrated with the, the national media. Um, we talk about problems every day, but nobody yes. wants to talk about solutions or ideas yeah, to fix good the news. problems. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so let's wind that down a little bit. Here's a question that I wasn't expecting to ask you today, but I received a phone call today from a young man, and I've known this young man's family literally since my birth, and 
I've watched this kid and his brothers, and they've made mistakes. And I cannot tell you what he's doing right now in his life. But he called me out of nowhere this morning and said that, you know, his cousin is having some issues. His cousin is having some problems. And I'm wondering if, if you would make some time to sit and talk to my cousin. Of course, no brainer like you, of course, you know, let them know, you know, the limits of my qualifications, but I'll, I'll talk to anybody. And I was just so refreshed that he also added, I would like to be there too, because I would like to talk to you. So we live in a time now where mental health is really something that we have to pay a lot more attention to. So in your role as a sheriff, how do you address the needs or think you'd like to address the needs of those in your employ to make sure that they're doing okay? We've changed a lot the way we do our business here um, with our employees. Um, again, I came into this job a long time ago and the people who taught me and uh, um, if, if I had something going on in my life personally that I was struggling with, you wouldn't dare tell anybody at work because you're going to get labeled as, you know, um, someone who's not tough enough to be a cop. You're a cop. you got to suck it up. you got to move on. Um, if you're involved in a tragic thing in your police career, that's just part of the job. I would be told all the time, just suck it up, you know, to just deal with it. But all those years, I mean, uh, that's that's how I was taught. And, and now knowing what I know now, I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. Um, you know, we've we've developed a team here, um, a, a, a team of, of trusted employees in all our divisions that are specially trained that employees who need some advice or need some help have can, tur can turn to. Um, we have a very, very um, elaborate EAP here um, because police officers, not only are they dealing with things in their personal life and the long hours and the changing shifts, um, it's certainly a strain on their family life, but they're also seeing a lot of um, tragic things and bad things. And if a person doesn't quite know how to deal with that, um, that certainly can can be held inside, and I'm I'm not I have no no background in in psychology at all or counseling or anything like that. But but I do know that holding all that information inside for a long time can definitely cause all kinds of issues for people. You know, um, moving forward, and and you can take this job, and it can affect your family life and affect your children, and and uh, there's just a lot that that goes on there. So we have to we do our job much differently now. Um, than we ever have. And uh, again, we have some some very good people here, um, command staff level that, are, that oversee these programs. Um, you know, we have trusted people, like I said, throughout the agency that they can go to. We have contracted services if they need some help outside of this. Um, you know, and, and that, that's huge. I mean, we've got to keep our people um, in a position to, to you know, be healthy. Not, not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean just physically, but obviously with mental health, that's huge. Um, same thing for the people we deal with on the streets. Um, our community has, our, our country has so much need in the mental health area. Um, it's, it's sad. I mean, uh, we've got inmates in this facility right now um, that don't belong with us. I mean, they need professional help but sadly, because of the cuts in mental health programs, the closures of nearly every single mental health facility, some of these people, there is no other alternative, you know. And, and again, over the years, uh, 
they've, they've tried to change and evolve us into transitioning people back into the community. And I get that. I understand that. But again, just from my personal experience, not everybody is ready to be transitioned into the community. There are people who need services and help in between. Um, so we, we are holding people here right now today that shouldn't be here. Jail is not the place for them, but there is no other place for them. And that's what's sad. And, and I, I think it's, it, we are dealing with a mental health crisis across this country. Um, you know, I just drove through some neighborhoods just the other day. And um, I mean, there's when you see individuals lying on the streets, this is 2022. I mean, we shouldn't be seeing that. People living on the sidewalk, we, we shouldn't be seeing that. It's a difficult time. And I see the same thing as I do quite a bit of travel. And I shake my head and I wonder you know, that this is supposed to be the greatest country in the world. Yet we struggle taking care of veterans and we struggle taking care of all of our students. And we can go all day long. And then we have this thing called COVID, which certainly isn't making it any easier. And uh, certainly a big contributor to our mental health concerns. But the good news is, uh, Sheriff, is we have you. And one of the things I'd like to put on the tail end of this interview today is for people who, again, who are listening outside of this area, I, I need you to know what we do have here in Oneida County. Uh, most of you know by the descriptions of some of the podcasting that's been going on, it will be going on, is the Sheriff was there at Ground Zero uh, when I started doing work with cancer and leukemia children and then families in central New York. And uh, without hesitation, the sheriff without, just never pauses. Um, I'd like you to meet this kid. I'd like you to meet this person. I'd like you to meet this friend. Here's somebody who's interested in law enforcement. Here's somebody who thinks that cops are bad and needs to, needs to understand why I stand with law enforcement. And we are spoiled here tonight to count it because we do have this leader called Sheriff Mayshill who understands that leadership is about the giving of the self. And it is to do so unselfishly, professionally, and without hesitation. So I'm very thankful for that. That will wind down this conversation for today. And I have to tell you, I'd like to just put something in your head. I would love the opportunity to have a guest join you. And I think I know who that is going to be. Um, but do you have any closing statements for today for round one of our interview time? Uh, well, first and foremost, I want to thank you for this opportunity. Um, I, it's rare that I get the chance to talk about, uh, at length anyways, um, publicly about my personal life and my positions and feelings. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, a lot of people assume a lot of things about a lot of people, but, uh, uh, you know, and, and most of the time they're wrong. And, you know, they just uh, think they know something about me or they think they know my position on something. And, and I, you know, just like I tell people here at work, um, I, I can't fix a problem if I don't know about it. So instead of going out and just complaining about everything, bring something to my attention. Same thing to the community. If anyone ever has a question about me or my position or anything, uh, you know, I, I, I ask people, please let, just ask me first before you go out. And, and, and but again, that's that, that's I think that's a sign of the times, too. And that's a little little frustrating for me as an old school guy. If I ever had a question about someone or a concern, I would go to them. I wouldn't jump on social media and just start saying things. But anyways, um, no, this is a great opportunity, um, and hopefully this will spark other conversations um, for you moving forward from from other people. Um, you know, and I, I think it's uh, I think it's neat that 
uh, people will be able to learn a little bit about me that they never knew. Uh, they just, you know, they, they just assume things. And, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. No, you make getting to know you so easy. And again, uh, I'm very privy to a lot of people around the state. And you just define from my lens what a police officer is. Thank you. Um, the sheriff and I have collaborated on a lot of things, not just outside the, the charity work, but trainings and the ability to come into the jail and try to make a difference. He doesn't just talk about corrections as what the term is, especially real rehabilitation and hopefully these decreases in uh, things like recidivism rates. Um, the sheriff has shown me for decades that he walks the walk, that he is there to to make sure that people who have made mistakes, not just learn, but they're also given an opportunity to grow. Uh, he is certainly, from my perspective, is what it means to change the narrative, especially those people who have issues with law enforcement. Um, you make coming to defending law enforcement so easy. And that sounds like it's an easy thing to do, but it is a very difficult task. And I, for one, am very, very proud to travel across the state as a man of color in Central New York to say you need to understand what real law enforcement leadership is and what we have that Sheriff Robert Mitchell has brought to Oneida County. And we hope he continues to do that for a long, long time. That's going to wrap up the most exciting interview because this is the first podcast to be aired on Das Fomanti, the good news podcast. want to take the time to thank the United County Sheriff's Office for allowing this interview to take place. And more importantly, my friend, Sheriff Robert Mitchell. See you on the other side, people. Carpe diem, stay well. This has been another episode of Das Fulmonti, the Good News Podcast. As always, thank you to our guests for the honor of their time and their contribution. The Good News Podcast is brought to you by the Oxford Road Professional Group in New Hartford, New York. I am the Good Doctor. And as always, thank you for making time to consider not only the good news, but Das Fulmonti, the good news podcast. Carpe diem and Donna Dago Ahi, which is Cherokee, for until we meet again. Remain well. <laughs> <laughs>